Pulp MX Network production. Thanks for all the support, Pulp MX fans. The Pulp MX app is now available for both iPhone and Android-based phones. For all your moto needs, shop at btosports.com and use the current discount code STEVE, S-T-E-V-E. And don't forget to click the Amazon banner on pulpmx.com when purchasing anything from Amazon. It's the Steve Mathis Show, brought to you by RacerX, presented by BTOsports.com. The original moto podcast featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast show. I'm your host, Steve Mathis. It's an off week from the Nationals, but uh, what better time to look back and reminisce with uh, one of my uh, best friends for years and uh, a guy that uh, was a working man's hero in the trenches. He'd club a better a baby seal to get a better deal. Uh, longtime Canadian privateer, Jason Fernet. Uh, Fernet, what's going on, man? Thank you for doing this. Hey, Mathis. Uh, not too much. Just, uh, actually, I just picked up my box van. I just started riding again this year, and... Uh, on days out, man. Just uh, I'm glad to talk to you. It's been a long time. Yeah, it has been. I've been trying to do one of these with you for a while, but uh, you've got a job where you're, and we'll get into that, you've got a job where you're three weeks on and a week off, and then our schedule's never lined up, but man, we, uh, first of all, I guess we need, to, we need to get through that this won't be the unedited podcast of all the adventures that you and I went through. <laughs> This will be an edited one of some sort. <laughs> yeah, we've we've had uh, we've had a long history together, and uh, I think it really stems back. Even we've known each other since when we rode eighties in yeah. Canada. Yeah, and uh, and definitely since ninety seven or ninety six on. Yeah, we've yeah. definitely we we bonded a good friendship, and we've definitely had some good road stories. I, uh, I won't be married if we told the unedited version. <laughs> I won't keep my, my marriage will be broken. Um, yeah, or I might be in jail, too. You never know. <laughs> One of those, no, exactly. Uh, for people who don't know, uh, Jason uh, was national number 55 in the U.S., national number 65. Uh, were you 66, too? I think you were 66. 63 was my first 63, one. 63, yeah. Uh, Three-time and uh, a guy who, uh, if you, a guy who to this day in 2012, you haven't raced in the U.S. for 10 years. When I, I see people, they ask me, how's Frenette doing? And then they laugh. Still to this day, 10 years later, you made an impact uh, on and off the track with a lot of uh, people that are still around today racing. So uh, I think that says something. For those of the people who are uh, wondering who the hell you are, um, the best I can tell you, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've been totally out of the sport, uh, like except for pretty much almost a decade now at uh, – 2001 really was my last kind of go at it, and, you know, I did some super crosses, and then since then, I, uh, I, uh, just been doing my normal job up here in Canada, and it was just kind of like, uh, I knew the, the end was coming, I was 30 years old, and, uh, yeah, I just knew when you leave from another country, I spent a lot of years in the U.S., and, uh, it just, like, you have that close family with everybody, yeah. and all my sp- Sponsors, including you guys. Most of my friends were mechanics because that was who I hung out with because I was yeah. jack all trades, master of none, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah and uh, we'll get into some so, of the mechanics that you had over the years, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 
Yeah, what are you? What are you doing now? What uh, for people who want to catch up and know what's going on? What What are you doing now uh, in your life, Jason Fournette? Um, basically, since two thousand and three, uh, I work in a gas and oil processing plant, and we just basically process uh, uh, natural resources into sellable uh, uh, sellable crude oil and uh, raw sellable uh, gas and. Uh, um, basically what it is, is, uh, like you said, shift work. I work mm-hmm. sometimes nights, sometimes days, and uh, North, I work in isolation. Yeah. Northern Alberta, for people who want to know, like almost Northwest Territories, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, we get uh, three-quarters of the year. We're only accessed by helicopter airplane, and then we get, just like in the TV show, Ice Roads Truckers, we get our ice roads put in in middle of December, and we get those till, uh, till April, and then we're back to com- complete, uh, complete isolation. But by no means is there any town or anything close by. The, the, the nearest town is basically just a, a filled with trailers just for <laughs> service, uh, service crews. Yeah. Yeah, crazy, huh? Um, for people, you know, Americans listen to this are like, what, huh? You know, and for years, you would tell me that you could always go back home and be a rig pig, quote unquote, but you never wanted to do that. Well, Burnett, congratulations. You've become a rig pig. <laughs> 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 well, you know what, Steve? You know how it is. You got to pay the bills. Oh, and yeah. uh, Money's good, right? Money, Money's yeah. great. Money's good. Lifestyle's not exactly what i would say would be very uh um sociable or favorable to somebody that's kind of like how i am you know uh i was very sociable when i was when i was racing i had uh pretty much you know at that time when i was racing pretty much everybody knew me in the pits and uh then i go from that to the uh complete opposite spectrum I remember my first time I flew up there was in December 2003, and I flew up on this little 17-seater plane, landed at this on this ice strip in this gas plant. Nothing's around, and I just thought, what did I do to deserve this? And you know some of my <laughs> stories. I guess karma comes and bites in the ass, right? Like I was thinking, what in the hell? did I do to deserve this? But you know what? I've been there 10 years, and I've moved up the ranks there, and, and uh, it's a good-paying job, and uh, I'd like to get something else, but uh, you yeah, know how it is. No, it's, uh, um, people, you make a really good money, uh, six figures up there, and it's not great work, but, um, yeah, I, I don't blame you one second. I don't mean to disparage you. I, I, yeah, it, it's it, what would I do in your shoes? I don't know. Like, you know, the money's great, but you're living – up north with some ice roads and some trailers so yeah and and that's it you know when you're dealing you mean if i could just show people the living conditions and some of the some of the people i run into especially in the winter time some of our service guys they it's just unbelievable it really is a jerry springer show you know and uh it, it's pure comedy but uh you know when i was quitting racing there i was uh i by all means, would I love to do something in in, in the industry? Yeah. Um, yeah, especially in the U.S. because that's where I race primarily. And but of course, you're dealing as as you know with you know people want you legit and you you get the green card and yeah. 
And, uh, you know, I try to do that thing uh, <laughs> real quick, and we'll probably elaborate on that later oh, yeah, uh, with a, uh, a failed marriage in Vegas at your hometown. But, uh, yeah, just uh, it wasn't in the cards. I would have loved to have been a rapper or, uh, or, or something in the industry, especially yeah. after I was done, because I knew so many people. But, well, yeah, uh, you had gr- some great relationships with all your sponsors. And like I said, those are the sponsors that are now, 10 <sighs> years later, guys like Lou Lopez or John Anderson or – um, you name it, they're coming up to me going, what's Fournette doing? Those are the same guys, you know? You know, every, and that's the thing. Eh? The, uh, every one of my sponsors, I think, truly and honestly knew that I needed them and I truly appreciated them and that I gained friendships yeah. with every one of them because um, they knew I was, as you would say, a working-class hero. You know, I draw, you mean... And I don't mean to disperse, like discourage the privateers out there, but you know I did everything myself. Yeah. You know, like it literally, people go, oh, "I'm, you know, going to the races, doing this," and there might be a handful of guys doing that. But uh, you know, I it yeah. was, uh, you know, how I did it. I think I was one of one of the closest to the hardcores of uh, of of the privateers at that time. Now yeah. the, the sports obviously is. Um, evolved which it should and it's a whole different ball game now i i would imagine well it, yeah it, it is and uh and also too let's not forget about uh the throttle jockey guys who maybe were your biggest fans <laughs> they robert, were and, robert and, and matt davis and if they listen to this i just want to give them a shout out and say uh that i miss them and uh truly appreciate everything they 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 literally took me in like their own family and would uh you know, they would give me their vehicles to drive around so I wouldn't have to drive either my van or, or later on my box van and, and just free reign in their place and, and like so many people across the country, you know, for us privateers uh, you know, any privateer to be able to sleep on a couch or have a shower, even sleep in a van. Yeah. You know, uh it even the little things, you know, I'd go shower at truck stops, you know that yeah. and uh yeah. you know, run at the side of the road or do whatever, but uh yeah, we've we've had a we've had a long past. You know, I think a lot of people, uh, um, like a lot of people, listen to this podcast. Probably a lot of the the new people would have no idea who I am. But uh, we've had a long, long history together for yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I think I think for uh, for sure two or three years, three years. I know for sure you and I were pretty much attached at the hip, driving to every race in box fans. Um, yeah. Or you had your Ford van, of course, with no AC for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're you're right on that, you know, and uh, uh, yeah, I was with you from the Moto Triplex days to the well, the Birdwell days yeah. to the uh, um, Moto Triplex days, Remember and the, then the, the Nolene, you graduated the, the Nolene to, box fan. <laughs> yeah, and the Nolene, and then you graduated to Factory Yamaha, and then it was a little bit tougher because you're, you're on a totally different schedule than me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, yeah, I didn't want to associate with guys like you anymore, anyways. You know how that well, yeah, we're private your scum, you know. Right. Um, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was some good times, no doubt about it, and uh, it was it was uh, it was pretty cool. When looking back on it, like I feel like the guys nowadays don't drive, you know, and even like uh, you know the great Kenny Watson um, told me, you know, his mechanics that he has working for him have never driven, and they complain about you know a two hour layover, and he's just like. God. You know, you have no idea what the guy, and not just me and you, Mike Gosler, Tony Berluti, all the mechanics that drove the series, bought groceries, worked on their bike, washed their box fan, um, you know, fixed home, you know, home Jimmy rig broken things. I mean, that was a, a special time in uh, American motocross that I, I feel like 
I'm glad I did. At the time, I hated it, and I wanted to kill myself. But in the, in the grand scheme of things, it, it's pretty fun to say you've done all that. Well, you know what? You just gain these, uh, like such a bond with, uh, with people that you live and travel and, and have adversity, adversities uh, with, on, especially on the roads. And, uh, you know, it just, it's that special bond sleeping in, like, you know, in a snowstorm going towards Indianapolis Supercross in, on the middle of uh, a rest area. You know what I mean? It's, or, you know, like I remember you having your, uh, your one box fan getting fixed. I think it was uh, in uh, Andy Hendrickson's place there. And uh, his, his dad basically had to go down and threaten the guy to get the box fan going because he had it for two weeks that we were on a break. Do you remember that, Steve? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, this old Vietnam vet went down and... Uh, the, the van was ready the next day. I don't know what he said to to, to the guy, but uh, <laughs> it was ready for sure. Oh yeah, good times. Hey, let's all right, let's uh, let's get in the time machine here. Let's take let's, let's talk your career. Um, the first time I remember seeing you, uh, the Canadian Loretta Lynn's Championships uh, were held in my home province at, at one of the worst piece of shit tracks ever, Saint Jean, and uh, here comes this kid battling uh, some highly touted amateurs like Chris Pomeroy and, and others, and you come up from Alberta, Red Deer, Alberta, on a CR80, and you win. You win the Canadian 80 championship, I guess. Uh, what do you remember from that? And was that, was that a pretty big deal for you? Yeah. Um, the year before, I believe I got, I think, fifth in the Nationals. I think they're at uh, Alder Grove and 100 Mile House, I believe they were. Uh-huh. So, um like, I knew that I was starting to kind of gain momentum in Canada, and then in 87 there, I got on that Honda, and uh, uh, every provincial, I think I've only I lost two motos just due to, to DNFs, but uh, mm-hmm. coming into that, that round in Manitoba, I knew it wasn't going to be easy, but uh, usually there was always, it was, you know how it is, it's always usually in Canada, anyway, back in the day, it was the east against the west, yeah. and I'm not sure if it's still that way. Right. But um, when I went into uh, to uh, St. John Baptiste there, the, the racetrack, I just remember how sweltering hot it was, especially mm-hmm. Manitoba, because we don't have much humidity in, in Alberta, and uh, how fast that track was. That yeah. track seemed extremely fast. but We just had no dozers to build any obstacles. So. Well, and lots of gopher holes and mosquitoes. Mosquitoes <laughs> yeah. in Manitoba. Yeah. Brutal. Uh, but uh, I remember I got... 10th maybe you won and nobody ever like you know we were pretty hardcore uh racing family nobody ever heard of you before we knew the chris pomeroy and god i i forget the other guys that were in that class or and bulioski won the, the the junior titles we we heard of these guys from ontario we knew them we knew they were coming out but uh we didn't hear this freaking jason frenette guy uh coming out and uh yeah so you won so that was kind of cool yeah it was you know what um I think uh, Pomeroy beat me the first moto, and we had a good back-and-forth battle, and it was cl- close right to the end. And then in the second moto, it was the same, same way. It was uh, switching leads back and forth, and, uh, and then he ended up getting, I believe, a front-flat tire, and so that made it pretty easy on me in the second moto. The third was quite a ways back. And uh, so, yeah, I ended up winning the championship. Of course, I was stoked, and... Uh, and the big thing then was uh, they had where you got invited to Vegas for yeah. the NMA uh, Race of Champions Kawasaki. for Kawasaki. Yeah, that was, that was pretty cool back then. That was a big deal. Well, yeah, you know, I, 
who the heck won it that year? I believe it, it was Swink. Joel Albrecht won it. Albrecht, okay. Yeah, which is Jeremy, you know, Jeremy's brother, right? Yep, I still talk so, to Joel all but, the time. Yeah, but I think Swink was in there. Um, what do you remember from that? Do you just remember being like this weirdo Canadian kid who didn't know any of these dudes? <laughs> oh, I was totally out of my element. Yeah, I remember yeah. getting there, and I had, well, it was 80, it was 80, 88. I had grown quite a bit over the winter, and, of course, I never rode throughout the winter. So yeah. uh, we went down there, I think it was in April or May, whatever the, uh, or sorry, March, I think is the World Mini, and we rode four days before that event, yeah. and I had a CR125 and a CR250. I was riding the uh, the B-class at, yeah. at the actual race, and uh, so then when I got, got to the track there, and they get ready to, you know, they get, I get introduced to all the Team Green guys there, and they had uh, 12 identical uh Kicks, eighties. Uh, it was it was surre- surreal. You yeah. know, like uh, you're seeing guys like Tommy Clowers at the time. Tomcat. Uh, Tom <laughs> Tomcat was there. Uh, Swink was there. Um, Antonez was there. Yeah. Um, yeah, of I, course, I, they don't know who I am, right? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just like just hillbilly uh, from Canada. <laughs> I got a corn pipe and a straw hat on, and I'm from Alberta. You know. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I'm going up there introducing myself. Nobody really had a time of day for me. And uh, so, yeah, it, it was a cool experience. Um, that was really kind of getting into my first taste of get, getting down into, into the United yeah. States, obviously. I think I went out of 15, I went, uh, or 12 racers, I went, I think, 10th or 9th. Yeah. Uh, wasn't great. I was, didn't have enough practice. And, uh and I was just so tall for that freaking bike. It was just it was it was it was hard to do. But uh, well, I got invited and uh, we did her. You know. Yeah, yeah. No, um, uh, yeah, and that's really cool. I wish they did. Uh, I wish they did um, did it anymore. You know, obviously politics now. They don't. They can that race a long time ago. But how cool was that thing? It was a pretty pretty sweet deal. Um, it was highly profiled. For uh, sure. And let's not forget. But I think before that race of champions, uh, you came back to Manitoba. To race in arena cross, um, in, in Brandon, not far from Winnipeg, and again you showed up, and you were the the big Canadian champion. And I had gotten pretty, I'd gotten better since the summer or something, and uh, you showed up and won the eighty class support class. But I got second, and we all my buddies, myself, we all made fun of you because your white fox pants that you had from the summer. We're so tight on you, you could see your bulge. We're like, what is this guy doing? Get some, I, get some new pants, man. And, you know, obviously you didn't hear us, but we were mocking you. Even though you won, we were all mocking you. I have heard it over the years quite a few times, actually. And I actually uh, just wrote an article about you, because I'm, I'm right, I write a, an article for a Canadian publication, IMX, and I actually put that in my article, Steve. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, good times. Yeah. I got second, and, though, but you had the last laugh, because you won. Well, you're four-time uh, Manitoba champion, right? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Thank you for that. Yeah, it's, you mean you got a lot of uh, you got a big reputation to live up to. Well, at that point, though, you were the man. You had the number one. You had the bullseye on your back because you were the Canadian champion, and uh, you, you you handled it. Um, you you, know, you handled the business, but you did have tighter pants. I guess I had a bullseye somewhere, eh? <laughs> yeah, right on your balls, I think. 
<laughs> well, um, you know, sponsorship back then wasn't cool. You know, you're you're a national champ, but uh, I think that, that I might have got uh, a set of gear uh, right, for the whole right. year from Aurora Cycle. That was the Fox distributor well, at the time. So then what happened? Did You you just went right to pro because 88, 89, you didn't do any uh, any Canadian amateur races anymore. Did you just go right to pro? No, no, no. I, uh, in 1988, I went intermediate. I won both provincial championships in Alberta. Then we went out to the national and Duncan. Brett DeVries was kind of the, from Washington. He was, yeah. he was going to be the big guy there. Oh, you were at Duncan? Because um, I was at Duncan. Huh. Yeah, and what happened was, is in the first 125 moto, I ate shit. And dislocated my hip, and that was I was it for it, that was, I was done for the rest of the weekend. I think I was running in it was second or third lap, and of course I was riding bonsai as usual, and uh, something happened. I don't know if I got landed on it or if I uh, yeah I wasn't probably using my head. And uh, anyway, did a big yard sale, uh, dislocated my hip, and that was it. That was that was the weekend, and uh, and then I turned directly pro in, in the winter of '89. Oh really? Okay, so yeah, so that was it for you. All right, I rem- yeah. yeah, I don't remember you showing up at um, at uh, Duncan, but yeah, I guess if you were just there, you would have hurt your shoulder or hip right away. So three three laps. I was there for three <laughs> laps. <laughs> and of course, my dad kept me still in eighties because we were chasing after uh, we were chasing after the the eighty championship, and I was still in eighties and eighty nine too. Um, and and you're one hundred and eighty five pounds and six foot one. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, you should watch a YouTube video of me beating Blair Morgan in Saskatoon. Um, I'll send it. I'll send it you. I'll send it to you after we're done here. It's it's incredible. I look like a circus bear. Um, yeah, I would love that. Uh, anyway, so okay, so that was it for uh, for '88 uh, for you, and in '89 you turned pro, and you actually did some U.S. Supercrosses. I did. I was still in high school, and I got support by Yamaha Canada for the next year. They gave me a couple bikes and Mark Stelly Brass. He was in the head of marketing there. He was the race support director at Yamaha. So Mark, uh, and it's funny because I got along good with Mark earlier in my career, and then, of course, later on things went sour, but, you know, that's a whole other political game there. But, uh, yeah, we got two bikes from Yamaha, and we went down on Christmas break. I extended it for, I think I went down for a month, and I did the Anaheim and to the double header of Seattle. How did you practice for Supercross? You know, you just did a podcast with, with Lance Mail. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, a while back. It was, I don't know, a couple months ago or whatever. And it's funny, and I don't know if Lance, like me and Lance know each other, but uh, I don't know if he remembers me, but I remember being at Kettleman City when he was with, with Freaky uh, Steve Friesen. Mm-hmm. And I believe I, Scott Steffi was down there and all, all those Washington Northwest guys, right? Yeah. And I pulled up there in the... Uh, with your corncob corn pipe in your hat? <laughs> <laughs> My corncob pipe, and I was 16 years old, and I had another guy that was 17, and uh, we just made it down there. He was intermediate, I was pro, and yeah, we... Uh, I don't know how we. Somebody told us Kettleman City was the place to practice, and yeah. we end up hooking up with these guys. And basically, it was just big dirt lumps that you're just trying to clear. And it was just basically like if you went to a local construction site now <laughs> and just saw a bunch of yeah. dirt clumps and you went for it, right? Uh, well, incredibly enough, you got 16th and 13th in two main events in '89. And, 
Yeah, I couldn't believe it. You know, I was straight out of the intermediate class, and uh, we go down there. And not, we even, rode, not only straight out, of, straight out of the Canadian intermediate class. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It was, you know, it was, uh, we went down, we went down there, and uh, we just thought, well, shit, we'll just go down to California, you know, for the first time ever, and have a good time for a month on spring, on winter break there, and mm-hmm. uh and we went down and rode Kettleman City, and then we rode a lot at uh, Ritchie Canyon because uh, uh, back then there wasn't a bunch of places that you could pay to practice at. And, uh, yeah, we showed up at Anaheim Supercross, and, uh, yeah, I just I went out there, and uh, I went through the heat race, and I got off, and my buddy goes, you got ninth. <laughs> I made it. I very last transfer spot. Yeah. And he's like, you made it in the main event. And I'm like... No way! Like, you, you counted wrong. <laughs> I thought so. I was like, "Yes, wow!" You mean you got? And he says, "This is old school time." Eighty nine. A lot of kids now that listen to this, or you mean their parents are probably more interested in uh, in that. But we had, I think, Matazovich won the main event that yeah. that, that night. Yeah, but yeah. And I had Larocco Matazovich. You look through the results. I'm MC, sure you have them McGrath, on the page. McGrath, McGrath would have been racing. Yeah. Yeah, and then so we got 16th there, and I was like, holy shit. And I was just like, I had an ear-to-ear grin. And uh, and then we, we started making our way back north because I had to go back to high school, finish that off. And so, yeah, we stopped in Seattle, did that doubleheader, and uh, qualified again. Yeah, qualified for the first round, or the the first night there, and the second night I didn't. But no, I wasn't it too says disappointed. Here, it, says, it, says happy. Here, it says here in the results you made the second night. You didn't make the first night. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just, just, yeah. Um, uh, so okay. So then, looking at your U.S. stuff, you didn't start racing again till '94. What did you do from '89 <clears throat> to '94 before you headed back down? Like, what? I don't. Again, I don't remember you racing in Canada. Um. You know what? I just um, basically I just raced provincial stuff. I went down to California every winter to to just to practice in the winter time. Um, actually, I finished high school, so. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to public high school back then. I don't even think there was homeschooling, but there might've been, I think homeschooling was just quitting high school, but uh, <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. we, <laughs> I'm homeschooling. Yeah, you quit. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, we finished, I uh, finished high school every, every winter I'd take a month off and, and head her down there, just do a little bit of riding. And then, uh, and then, yeah, I was just doing the, the local, uh, Alberta circuit. My mom actually started, uh, uh, in the early in the late eighties, she was uh, actually running races for Mar- Marilyn Bastido for CMA, mm-hmm. and in eighty nine, she decided that she didn't like the politics of CMA, um, and she went to CMC Stu Peters in California yep. to see if there's maybe a better way or just a different way to hold races if it make people happier or or mm-hmm. whatnot, and. Uh, so yeah, she started bringing CMC uh, races into Western Canada, basically to a little bit of Saskatchewan, mainly BC, and, and of course Alberta. And yeah. so, from uh, eighty nine to two thousand four, I helped a lot with finishing high school, helping mm-hmm. her uh, getting CMC up and going. Um, just you know, West Coast here, and then uh, and then basically just making in the summertime my money. Um, Riding provincially, like yeah. uh, at that time, of course, we had the Zoli Brinis up here. We had Ross Peterson still was going good. Um, oh, yeah, he was. Don't you forget. 
No, I don't. Me and Ross have had our ups and downs. Uh, you know, I've always really, I've went to Ross Pearson Motocross School mess and had, I totally respect Ross and I, and I love him. At the very end there, I got lucky and beat him at the very end of his career a couple times locally in yeah, Alberta. Yeah, damn, damn straight you got lucky. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that was near his end of his career and I think, you know, racing Alberta he didn't. Didn't care much, but uh, yeah. yeah, Ross was definitely Ross is somebody I always looked up to. That guy was, uh, but I'm like I'm uh, I'm like you, Steve. I uh, I think I think Ross is the greatest Canadian of all time. I mean, that guy is a hero. Like you know? including politicians and hockey players and everybody. I agree. <laughs> yeah, you know, I agree Canadian. too. I hate politicians, <laughs> and I'm not much for hockey, but uh, I'm all moto all the way. And Ross is definitely he well, was a. Uh, he he didn't back down to anybody, and that was including on or off the track, and uh, that's something I was kind of like too. The um, yeah, people don't know you grew up without a dad. Uh, it was you and your mom um, from a young age. Yep, uh, yeah. My dad passed on, passed on when I was eleven. So, uh, um, and actually, before then, uh, my mom was actually the one that kind of got me into moto. She. Uh, she yeah. got me all the information. So, yeah, it was just me and my mom. And then uh, when I started traveling into the States, she was hardcore doing her, uh, doing the CMC, right. uh, uh, you know, promotions up here. And, uh, and basically I was just, yeah, on my own, let's get her done in the States, eh? And, uh, well, that, you're, and then people, for, people, for Canadians listening, Mark Stallybrass and your mom, Mark Stallybrass originally, before it became CMRC, Mark Stallybrass and your mom were partners in CMC. He ran the East Coast. She ran the West. Yeah, she um, she brought CMC in, and she was running that for a number of years. And then uh, we knew Mark through Yamaha uh, when he worked at Yamaha. And um, I think he quit Yamaha that time. He was doing some other uh, ventures. And then he contacted Stu Peters and uh, wanted to do uh, CMC uh, events out in the East. And Stu said, well, you know, we got to coordinate with uh, Connie here. You know, she's... Mm-hmm. Um, doing the Canadian thing for me, and she's, you know, I want to be true to her. So her, um, mom's like, yeah, no problem. And then uh, so Mark started doing uh, CMC races in, in Ontario, and then uh, and then after that he wanted to expand it to do it, uh, which is good because in the 90s it was a the lot CMA of people was know. falling apart, yeah. Yeah, well, Canada didn't have any really any nationals. There's one race to determine the national championship. Um, there was a lot of us. Pros that just there was no there was no way to 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 make money except for race provincially and if you wanted to get exposure go to the states so Mark did a good thing at the time there was a lot of bad blood between my mom and Mark when they when the split happened mm-hmm. but uh, um, th- that's the way it goes Mark went on and of course he's doing a, a successful uh, you know uh, uh, business doing CMRC and, and doing an awesome job you know brought in uh, coverage and. And kicked Canadian motocross back up to where it was, and you know, even more so than obviously in the '80s with but exposure for politics. That's kind of why you didn't do CMA, CMA slash CMRC nationals ever. You kind of wanted your mom was running CMC. You didn't want to, you know, cross that bridge, I guess, because of the bad blood, um, and it kind of maybe hurt you at some point because you never were recognized as one of Canada's better riders, which you no doubt had the speed to be. Yeah, you know, I think definitely, you know, I probably got a little bit under the radar. Um, you know, it's kind of like your dad owning a Ford dealership or your folks owning a uh, Ford dealership and you go going out and buying a Dodge. 
probably not going to go over well. And uh, like most parents, they would uh, they would sell their soul to keep you riding or, or yeah. do anything for you. And 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 so that that was my mom. You know, she she was uh, she would do anything to make sure I could get to the next race if I couldn't afford it and uh she was always there through thick and thin and i knew that there's life after racing and i, and I didn't want to burn a bridge there but uh like you said it put a lot of pressure on me i had a couple years at the end of uh near the end of my career i think in 2099 i was approached by suzuki on doing the nationals up there and it looked like it was going to go through and and it wasn't going to be a bad deal. Uh, it was going to be a salary and everything, and uh, mm-hmm. and it, it, it fell through. I I heard there were some other things that were involved, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it made it tough on me for sure. It was it was a stressful situation because there's there's times where I wanted to come up and kind of show yeah possibly what I could have done up here. You know, well, I think I mean at your peak, JSR is winning, and you're a tick off of JSR. You know what I mean? You're, I think you're a top three Canadian pro rider all day long at, at your best. You know what I mean? And I, just nobody ever saw it up in Canada. Yeah, I, you know what? I believe I believe that. You know, like um, the, the the times that I did beat JSR, which you know weren't a lot, but it was uh, he was usually crashed or maybe a flat tire. But I was always right there. Yeah. Um, not that far off his pace, but yeah, he, he was obviously, you know, that's why he's, he's been a, a champion and a, and, uh, a true good guy of the sport. But, uh, yeah, I think I, you know, you could place me in the Dubays, uh, you know, I, you know, the Dahans, uh, um, whatever I'll say. I never really thought near my pro career, I never thought like, and, and no, uh, disrespect to some of the guys, but I didn't think some of the top Canadian riders uh, that I I think I could have handled, handled them, but uh, I never got a chance to prove it, so that's neither here or there or whatever, and uh, I did my thing in the States, and uh, and I enjoyed it, and I don't regret it. You and, can't have regrets in life, right? Yeah, and overseas, too. You went to quite a bit of overseas races over the years, you know? Um, you had a hell of a career for, for a Canadian that... I mean, did you do any pro-Canadian nationals? Anything? Yeah, one year, um, JSR, JSR and I did in 96. That's when I was national number 63 in the States. We went to Barry, and I think he won. I think I got a, I think I crashed and I got a fourth in the 250 class. Yeah, okay. It wasn't, yeah. wasn't good, but like I, I was this, I was definitely disappointed yeah. in that, but I, I think you I did, did, you did one, one, in one race. Um, yeah. Uh, all right, so hey, your results in the U.S. don't pick up until '95. So '95, you're on a Cowie, I think, still, right? Um, and you decided to do the last half of the Nationals. Yeah, it was. Uh, we're just same thing doing the Alberta circuit, and then uh, we, every year we'd do the close ones, just because I did. I didn't think I had the speed enough to start being able to start making making enough money just to break even or get by. Mm-hmm. And you know I couldn't rely on my, on mom 100. percent She just it, she she had her own, enough for her own stuff on the go. So yeah, we went to uh, Millville '95, and I think I went 13-17 uh, that day. Yeah. And uh, you're like, holy the shit. one moto, the the one moto I I know I got a top five start, and I was running ninth for three quarters of the race, and I just kept on coming by, and uh, I had Tim Zacharias. He actually runs Enzo Canada now. He was there that day, 
helping me out, just pitting, throwing me, throwing me the board. And I kept on, well, first lap, I knew I had a good start. There's McGrath's crash right off the first corner there. I almost hit him. And uh, I knew I was in the top five. And then r- r- right near the first lap, I think I come around, I was in seventh. And then I, I got passed by a couple guys. And I remember Phil Lawrence, he was 13 on that. Uh, I don't know what that team was that year. It started off uh, with... Uh, no, that would have been 96. This is 95. He Phil Lawrence was on uh, Cowie. He was number 37. 37. Okay, well, he was behind me anyway. Yeah. He was uh, he was behind me for most of the race, and I just kept on thinking, this is Phil Lawrence. What am I? <laughs> I mean, he's not supposed yeah. to be behind me. And I end up, and it was really hot that day, and I crashed. And I end up getting back up and still getting 13th. And I went 13-17, and that's kind of where the confidence started rolling right. around. I said, you know what, hey, maybe I can maybe I can start running with some of these, you know, better privateers, you know? Uh-huh. And uh, so then we went to, to Washougal the, the, the next round. I think I went 17-17. And, uh, yeah, we went out east. I don't think – I think I got maybe a 19th. I don't think my results were that good going out east there. I think the yeah. humidity was killing me, but uh, well, it was up, enough. You ended up with National 63. Yeah. Yeah. I got that – Letter from the AMA where a lot of guys are always wanting to get the first time they get the national some, number. and Some people get license plates when they get that letter. <clears throat> yeah, you mean, it's, it's, a, it's a big deal. It, it, it was to me, you know, the biggest deal was is that there was a lot of free stuff involved. And, that was what, and that's what I, I needed desperately to keep racing was a lot of free stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and, and just... Uh, you know, if I could get my bikes free and everything else free right. and maybe a couple little contingency things for privateer stuff, like top top three privateer on the motos that uh, you can maybe squeak by, right? Right, right. Um, so, 96, you team up with Jason McCormick. How does that come together? And you guys you get bikes and a box fan and, and, that's, and you and McCormick take off. I just, I became with, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I... Uh, the winter before, in 95, I was, I, of course, being involved with CMC, I've always been, I uh, used to be really close with the, the Peters family, Stu and Mark and Sandra Peters, and uh, so I used to always hang out wherever they were, the racetracks, and that time I was living up in Hesperia, California, for the winter, and uh, Steve Lampson, actually, his dad did my bikes that year, and I didn't think they were that that good. So um, I end up going through Mark Peters. He knew a guy named Randy Berdinga. He used to work for Suzuki, and he was actually uh, Bob Hanna's mechanic at, at Suzuki at the very last end of his career. Mm-hmm. So uh, I hooked up with Randy, and uh, I met Danny. And Danny and uh, his mechanic, Glenn Koffler, were, uh, were staying there. And so... I ended up spending a few weeks with those guys, and we kind of became me and Danny and, and Glenn became really good friends. And uh, and uh, that year, '95, actually, we uh, uh, Glenn didn't want to drive all the way to Daytona, and uh, Danny Alvin was a really aspiring uh, amateur racer before yeah. he turned pro. And uh, and yeah, he didn't want to drive by himself to Daytona, so he he offered me a killer deal. He says, you know, you give me four hundred dollars and uh, that's everything included. That's you just throw your bike in the van and help me drive. And I don't know if he, Danny knew that 
Glenn made that deal with me. But anyway, we got in and went went to her. So we kind of created that bond. Um, at the end of '95, Danny decided he he just didn't want to do it anymore. But he still didn't, I guess, want to. Like his parents had a forging company, mm-hmm. and he had a lot of mil- military uh, contracts. But he didn't want to get into that game. So they decided to make a company for the uh, for Danny, his parents, and it was Alvin Racing. And Glenn was kind of the the manager of it. And mm-hmm. Glenn called me up, and he's like, hey, you did pretty good last year. You got 63, and we're looking to help out this other local kid, Jason McCormick. Of course, a lot of people know Jason or mm-hmm. used to know Jason, and, and that's how that kind of went about. Oh, I didn't know that Olvin had something to do with that. I didn't even know that. Um, so that was it. So you two got together. Did you do Supercrosses together and everything? Uh, mostly outdoors. Um, okay. I did do some Supercross. I did I, – we did – I think I, I made a few of the 125 – mains that year uh-huh. um uh, i i my memory's so bad I, I know i at least uh 95 and 96 i know i had uh, you know i was on cowies and i know i made a, a handful of uh, 125 main yeah. events i know in minneapolis in 96 i tried to ride that's when you could still ride yeah. double class right and i i uh in my 250 heat race, I, I just yard sailed my... I'd I never raced the 250 uh, Supercross yet, and uh, that dirt in Minneapolis is a little more tackier than I thought, and I just yard sailed it. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but I ended up breaking my hand, and that kind of sent me back to, to the beginning of the Nationals. And so I just I headed back to Oregon, yeah. and the, the Alvin family and Glenn Koffler, they just, as usual, like most of my sponsors, they took me right in. Just like their own, and uh, I just stayed there, and I trained my ass off all four months until Hangtown, and and Hangtown is where we started, you know, uh, me and Jason really started doing it again. Well, and then you come out of Hangtown 96 and get 13th overall. Boom. Just like that. Yeah, it was it was good. Like I said, I, uh, I, I was in a good mindset, and I think if for any racer, you know, they know that no matter what ability they are, if they're not, like, top, three or even if they're running the 20th to 15th or whatever, if you got the confidence rolling as a racer, you just, it, it, it works to your advantage. And mm-hmm. yeah, I just felt really good. I knew I was in really good shape. I was really strict with my diet and, uh, yeah, we went into Hangtown and, uh, yeah, I got 13th overall and, uh, I think Jason got 17th. And so in the 125 class, so, yeah, we were happy. Uh, Team Alvin yeah. had a good start to the Nationals, you know? Uh, no doubt. And then, uh, was it the second round? Uh, second round was high point. And, well, in between there, you went to Denver, and you got 15th in the main, according to the results on Racer X Vault. Um, that would have been 125, West Coast, 15th. And then you went to high point, and I, me, that's where me and you reconnected. Do you remember yeah, that? Well, I, 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 can't, I, I knew you were doing the Nationals, and I knew you were doing well. And uh, I was looking to be a mechanic, Shane Drew, uh, was trying to get me in with a bunch of different people, and I said, "Hey, uh, Jason Fernet, remember the? I remember you? I'm Steve Mathis. You had tight pants, and I, I don't know if you really remembered me or not, but <laughs> that was where I said, hey, I, I need to be a mechanic. Can I work for you?' And you're like, you're like, no, I don't have any money, but you can work for McCormick.' <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I was always on a sh- uh, shoestring budget, and uh, and yeah, you know, I I did remember you, you know, because you know, and when you came up, I'm like. I was thinking, who are you? And then you said Steve Mathis, and then I clicked in my head. Okay, yeah, I know who you are. And yeah. uh, 
And after that, it was just, yeah, I said, yeah, I, I can't do anything <laughs> yeah, I, for you. I, I, I have no money, but you can work for McCormick. McCormick gave me 100 bucks. I think. That was the start of, uh, I kind of feel semi-responsible yeah, yeah. for your start in the industry in the, in yeah. the U.S. Yeah, for all those people who don't like me, they can mail bomb for net in bumfuck Alberta. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I think, I think Shane Drew had a big thing. He because, did, yeah, he did. Uh, you were running Steve Cycle up in, in, in uh, Winnipeg. And or did you already? You were uh, still running Steve Cycle, weren't you? Yeah, I'd pretty much folded it. I think at that point because that that was my next adventure was being a mechanic. I was like, screw this, I want to be a mechanic. My mom had aspirations of me being a long haul truck driver, but I was looking for more than that. For that, <laughs> <laughs> well, you you were working in the welder shop. That's what yeah, you were doing. You yes. you were working in the welder shop. I remember you saying that. Yes, I was working a four days a week, four ten hour shifts, uh, five o'clock at night until uh, whatever two in the morning. And, uh, yeah, that was not good. I was just like, oh, my God. And then I was just like, I got to do something with my life. Shane Drew, looks what, like, Shane Drew looks like he's having fun. I want to do that. Yeah, and it was, were you talking to Shane? And Shane said, well, nobody's going to come knocking yeah. at your door up there in Winnipeg. So if you want to get a job, you better get your ass down here and start pounding yeah. the pavement. Is yeah, that, that was, what he basically that said? That's pretty much it. And then so I worked for McCormick at, Mount, at High Point. He went 14-14 and one twenty five class. I don't know what you got. Uh, you did pretty. Your, you know, your season was going well. And then from there, I went. Um, from there, Shane Drew was like, "Well, I'm going home, um, back to California, and I'm parking the van. And so, you know, you need to figure something out." And I was like, "Oh shit!" But you were like, "Hey, I'm going to Quebec for two weeks to go hang out. You want to come with me?" And that was it. Yeah. I, went, I went. I I just was like, "All right, I'll go with you." Yeah, actually, I got seventeen, seventeen. That- that day, and then, yeah, I remember that night, we were just, like, you're like, uh, I'm like, yeah, come with me, I'll have nothing on the go, I was all by myself, and uh, I talked to JSR, and I said, hey, is that cool if, uh, you know, me and Steve come up there and, you know, eat poutine and and, uh, hot dogs and hamburger at your parents' house, and, and, uh, and of course, JSR, you know, him and his family were, they, they're they're such uh, hospitable people, JSR's like, yeah, sure, and, uh, yeah, we uh, that was quite a. Do you do you remember the trip getting into Canada? Yeah, it was crazy. We were in a U.S. box van with Canadian bikes, and we were Canadian. And they were like, "Well, you can't come into Canada with the American um, box van, so we're not going to let you come in here." And we're like, "Okay." And then we turned around in between the borders and went to go back in the U.S. And they said, well, "You're Canadian. What are you doing? You can't come in the U.S. You're Canadian <laughs> driving an American van. What's your deal?" And we were stuck in between countries. <laughs> we were, and then the next day, or yeah, that very next morning, we they actually let us through. We actually slept in a strip mall by the border, and we called JSR up the next day, and he, him, and his mechanic Steve, uh, was it Steve Drash? I don't know Scott what? Drash. Sorry, Scott, Scott yeah. Drash. Um, they had to drive what two and a half hours, and Scott crossed the border, and he was American, and he drove the box van across. And me and you went with JSR in his pickup. Oh, I don't even remember that. Is that what happened? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had to get an American to drive that van through because they figured right. that who knows we're stealing the van or yeah, I don't yeah. know what was going on. But that's okay. I, I didn't even remember that. But yeah, so we, we hung out in Quebec, and in that meantime, <clears throat> up there, I got the job with PJ One Yamaha uh, because I knew the t- one of the team owners because he put on races in Fargo and all over the place these arena crosses. So he yeah, sa- I he- said, hey, I'll work for free for the first week, and 
or two weeks, and if you like me, keep me. If not, whatever. So I got a job with Corey Keeney at the next round in two weeks at Bud's Creek. You worked for Keeney, and at the end of the year, you worked for Sean Kalos. Isn't that right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Keeney, got, Keeney fired me because his results sucked. I wasn't painting his frame, and he was mad. And Kalos was like, I need a mechanic. And I was <laughs> like, all right. In the meantime, uh, I worked for you at a local Quebec race. Four motos, two classes, four motos. We beat JSR that day. And all you could you bought me a happy meal on the way home, and you said, "Here's your here's here's all I can I, afford." You're a trooper, Steve. I that I that money at the provincial race I needed to live off of, and I I knew you needed money too. But um, <laughs> yeah, I uh, you you helped me to the overall victory uh, in, in Quebec, and uh, and uh, yeah, we beat JSR that day, and uh, yeah, it, it it was good for sure. Uh, it it was, wasn't a. It, it was a quiet ride home, especially we all traveled together in his box van, but that's okay. Yeah, his, his mom and dad didn't seem to like that fact. Neither did JSR. He didn't like the fact either that he lost. Yeah, well, he, he was faster than me, but, uh, you know, like, you know, overall. What, so, track was uh, that? what track was that? Do you remember? I don't know. I remember Dubé was there, and uh, I don't know if Frenchie was with Dubé that day, but uh, I remember uh, Dubé was there with on Hondas. I think he won the championship that year. Mm-hmm. Because JSR um, was down yeah. in the states uh, uh, with with you, you guys. Um, yeah, but at the yeah. end of '96, when my PJ One team dissolved and Kalos got hurt and Keeney didn't want me and and they was hanging on, no, nobody was paying any bills. Uh, you put in the word with a privateer friend of yours named Ty Birdwell that he should hire me, and that was much appreciated. Yeah, and that was I would, really I the start been, of your yeah, your I, consistent I motocross career. Yeah, because the PJ One team that didn't work out, and I was just. I had nothing, and I was ready to go home, and I was done. And thankfully, Fernet puts in the word um, with Birdwell to get me the job in '97. Basically, says yeah. probably this guy will work for free or very little. No, 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 no. Actually, I gave you a good uh, reference. Uh, he, I remember Kenny Watson was leaving him because he was working for Motor Trip Lex, and that kind of fit Kenny's style anyway. <laughs> yeah, and clearly. Yeah, yeah, we all know, you know, Kenny. And uh, so anyway, Kenny moved on, I believe, to Triple X with Deegan. And, uh, yeah, Birdwell, I remember it worked out. And uh, yet again, Ty, he was another awesome guy that I really liked. And it was good. I got to hang out with Ty and you, and you guys are both my really good buddies, you know? Yeah, yeah. and that's when we started hooking up and driving. At, and so 97, 96 comes, you get, uh, you were 63 97 comes your 65 or 55. Were you better? Yeah, let, yeah 55, 55 and, and 97. Let's not, okay, I'm just going to go through the time machine though. Yeah. I'm going to just, I hate, because that was my best overall season. So I got to, I, I don't want to pat my own shoulder, but well, I'm an old boy. I'm almost 40 years at old. Some but, point, yeah. At some point, you're like 12th in the points outdoors. I was still at running a red, but halfway through the series, I was running 15th in the series. Yeah. And, uh, we, we we get to Red Bud. Usually, Red Bud, for some reason, they didn't have... We used to do the Friday practice days, and then we did the, the sign-up at the hotel or whatever on Saturday and raced. And uh, so Sunday comes. We did Saturday sign-up. Sunday comes. I'm running 15th in the series. I've never been to this track before. And I didn't get a chance to walk. And, of course, 4th of July, when you pull up into the pits at, like, 6 o'clock and 5.30 in the morning, there's guys passed out in lawn chairs and halfway out out of the out of the Johnny on the spots, you know. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. and 
and I'm just thinking, whoa. And it was it was pretty muddy that day. And so anyway, I remember the first time I, I even got on the track was the first practice, and uh, and I was thinking, oh shit, I I got to qualify. Like I mean, it, it was like any national, you know, like even qualifying for the top forty, even if you're mm-hmm. doing fairly decent, doesn't take much. Um, back then, it was uh, I think you had to get ninth in your qualifier when it would be for the time practice to uh to make it into the top 40 right because the top 10 were already uh preceded yeah but uh so yeah i was in kind of a little bit of a panic mode so i go first practice and it was muddy and and uh first three laps i'm basically the first two laps i rolled everything because i didn't know what, what was on the next obstacle yeah. and then so i started busting everything out and there was a pretty big triple in the middle of the track and it was muddy and i and i and i did that and i came in and i just i didn't feel very good i'm like oh man i don't feel good i'm i'm stressing out about qualifiers coming up so i pulled into the pits and um i asked uh, one of the mechanics i i said uh, hey how many people are doing that big triple out there mm-hmm. and he thought i was uh referring to the triple in the infield yeah and that was, uh, he's like, oh, three-quarters of the guy, three-quarters of the guys are doing that. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> well, I was meaning Laroque was weak. <laughs> right. Uh, the other triple. <laughs> yeah, back then. Now it's not so bad because 454 strokes got, got the torque. Yeah. But uh, it was 252 stroke. It was still mighty in practice. And uh, only five guys, four or five guys are doing it that day. I think Dowd, Henry, uh, Emig. Uh, you know, a handful of guys. Yeah. And I think there, yeah. there wasn't any more than five. But yeah. anyway, the first lap, the first lap of the second practice, I had it in my mind. Screw this! I'm busting this out. And so, because after I come all, down, after all, three quarters of the field is doing it, according to this mechanic. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. I'm like this. The pressure's on. Like, screw this. So, I remember getting down to the left hand corner, right at the bottom of the hill before Laroque's leap, and I, I. Come out of there, clicked in the, into, come out in second, clicked in the third, clicked in the fourth, and it's, it's muddy, my bike's still bogging, and I was just hell-bent for leather to do this jump, and uh, it still wasn't really in, it was still wasn't really in the peak of the power band there, and uh, and I, w- I didn't matter, I was going to do it, so I launched off Loraco's Leap, as soon as I took off, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> And I didn't even I didn't even case the jump, Steve. I faced it so hard the the third one, it blew my hand both my hands off, totally ripped my my wrist and my thumb apart, and the crowd there went crazy. Fourth of July weekend partiers, <laughs> like I was a hero yeah, there yeah. for about thirty seconds. Hero hero to zero, eh? Right, right. And uh, yeah, so anyway, I went back to the pits, and I'm just leaned up my van against the truck. I rolled back to the pitch. My thumb looked like it was, uh, looked like a compound fracture. It was sticking straight sideways. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I remember going, leaning my bike up against my van and I was really disappointed. I think I had tears in my eyes and I go up to the ambulance. I said, I just broke my hand. The guy goes, you can't determine that. You're not a doctor. And I said, oh, I think it's a pretty good chance. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. sure so enough. any, yeah, anyway, I, uh, I had a good year. Um, that was it for your story- summer though. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, well, long story short, I uh, I drove up to Quebec because I didn't have health insurance. Mm-hmm. I went to, to the to the hospital in uh, Buchanan, and it was a little podunk hospital, and they said, yeah, it's going to need surgery. And I was like, oh, shit, I don't have any money, right? Right, like, right. So I dro- and I'm by myself. I think I had somebody help load my van up. So I drove up to, to outside Montreal, 
check myself into a hospital by myself and uh, called my mom, of course, and yeah. said, hey, I'm going in for, I need surgery. And uh, they went in and pinned, pinned, pinned my hand, and they let me out that next day. And, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I think she flew out to, uh, to I don't know where she flew. I think Ontario. I had to drive a little bit way to meet her, but yeah. we ended up going home. And the gnarly thing is, Steve, is that I did come back later that year. You did? Oh, um, I remember that. I, I, uh, I had external pins put in, and they said, yeah, it's going to be six to eight weeks. And, of course, after three and a half weeks, I thought I was smarter than the doctors. And I thought, oh, shit, I'm going to go to, to uh, Binghamton, New York, to race. So three and a half weeks later, I take, the, uh, take my cast off, and I took some pliers, and I pulled, pulled the pins out. It hurt. And uh, we dro- dro- drove all the way down to Buchanan. I didn't even ride once. I said, "Screw it! I'm just gonna. I'm. I'm going for it." You know how my yeah. attitude was. Yeah. And I went there. I qualified for the national. And after qualifiers, my hand was so swollen it was twice the size of, of as normal. And that was it. I was I was done for I think three weeks. And then we rode Montreal, and I think I got ninth, yeah. second Canadian, I believe, or third Canadian. I think JSR and Blair Morgan, and then me. But I think I got ninth in that race in Montreal. But my wrist was pretty jacked. Yeah, I don't even remember that. I don't remember you racing Binghamton or coming back. I was, I would have been, I would have been one of my last races with the, with the PJ One guys. Hey guys, thanks for listening to these podcasts. They wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for BTOSports.com as well as the other advertisers. So I appreciate if you just listen to this, deal with it, order some stuff from BTO, and then we'll get right back to the show. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the BTOSports.com podcast show. Please don't forget that BTO is the world leader in aftermarket motocross parts for the bike or body. You'll find deals like a Shoei VFXW helmet for $309.99, 45% off, or Smith Piston goggles for $32.99, 65% off. Your order can be shipped anywhere in the USA for free. Or if you're not in the USA, we ship worldwide. Check it out at BTOSports.com. JT Racing USA is back to reestablish its deep roots in the motocross industry with an all-new, innovative line of racewear and casual wear. While bringing many of JT's strongest design elements from its golden years back to life, the racewear is constructed with the highest-grade material on the market and has a technological fit, feel, and function that is sure to raise the bar in how motocross gear is being built. JT has relaunched itself back into motocross with the Pro Tour jersey, classic pants, lifeline, and flex field gloves in eight colorways with an assortment of men's and women's casual wear to add to its collection. By redefining the meaning of airflow, JT has incorporated its airline system technology into this collection and have launched their all-new ALS2 helmet in seven colorways to complete the rebirth of the brand. The wait is over. Um, but then next year was good with with Birdwell. Me and you. Yeah. that's when we started doing some road trips. So ninety seven, you end up with uh, fifty five, even racing just half the nationals, and uh, <laughs> and you head out with your Ford van. <laughs> your, your what? What year was that van? It was uh, shoot. I think it was a ninety four. Oh, yeah. I think when I sold it, it had. I think when I sold it, it had six hundred and fifty thousand <laughs> kilometers on it. Yeah, with two motors, right? Between two motors. I think you put a new Between. motor in it. I did. I, yeah. I had some hillbillies in, in Red Deer with corn pipes and straw hats, but <laughs> motor in for like uh, a, case of, a case of beer and 200 and, bucks. And you were something. full privateer, 97. Um, full deal. Um, riding cowies and uh, doing well again, making most mains. 
Yeah, it was good. I um, that year I was only able to to, to get one bike. Um, uh, Rob Matichuk, he does our RMR suspension now in Fox in Canada, but uh, him and his wife gave me a bike, only one bike for the whole year, and uh, we did the whole Kawasaki, you know, fluorescent green frame, and we had all the. It was a trick bike, but. You know, at the end of the year, we're fra- we're welding the frame up every other uh, <laughs> every other week. But uh, I made, uh, yeah, I made quite. I think that year, I think I got thirteenth at thirteenth uh, in Houston, and that was my best finish in the in the two fifty two stroke uh, yeah. in Houston Supercross. And uh, but you also you got a break when uh, Manchester Honda needed a rider. I I did and uh, you're like you just remembered that for net or what? <laughs> no, I I no, I didn't. You're like I did. It still, it still surprises me because I honestly don't know how that went through. I think Paul Delorier, he, you know, I think Paul was going from truck driver to wrenching for for Damon Bradshaw, and I don't know if it was between you and Shane Drew or some of the people, but. Um, I well, remember. First of all, we got to talk um, about it was Damon Bradshaw was on a Manchester Honda team. Paul Delore was the truck driver. Paul and and Damon's mechanic liked to ride, and Paul rode behind him and put pressure on him until he blew a crash and broke his hip. And Paul got the job working for Damon. It was perfectly planned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it worked out for Paul. Paul's gone on to bigger and better things, I guess. Eh? Yeah, good job, uh, Paul Delore, on that. No, yeah. we're, we're kidding, but um. So Paul ended up being uh, Bradshaw's mechanic slash truck driver for that 97. Um, and Paul was the mechanic when Damon won high point in the mud. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, how'd you do that day? I don't remember. Birdwell pulled off both motos. He was out. He was not going to well, run that mud. It was, uh, well, th- that day actually I did, I think I, I, I did, I didn't get the, the Manchester, I didn't, I didn't get the uh, Manchester Honda ride till Southwick. But um, when I saw my, KX uh, 250. I think I I did bad too. I was outside the points. I I struggled in the mud. Then we went to. Um, oh yeah, I'm looking at their official results, and uh, yeah, you didn't get you didn't get any points that day. No, so, I I I sucked at the mud. I I didn't. I was a I was I've always been a fair weathered rider. You know what I mean like uh, I yeah I I I just don't like slopping around. But whatever. So 97 though, but to, to start the outdoors, you hurt yourself, didn't you? I remember you, you're. Did your hand or your thumb or something? What was going on? Same thing. I, uh, you know, like I said, when I originally broke that that thumb, yeah. um, in Red Bud, I I've broken that thing four times in the same spot. I, uh, I that was probably the worst thing I could have done for my motocross career at the time. Was uh, was I was just so so anxious to get back on the track. I was having such a good year for myself, you know, like some people right. that, you know, top, top riders would think, oh, you know, you're 15th in the points, that's not too good. But uh, for me, I was just, I was on cloud 10, and I was just so crushed that I did something stupid of uh, doing LaRocco's leap, and right. I, I thought it was <laughs> the other, you know, I yeah. miscommunication. So anyway, long story short, I, uh, I never let that thumb heal right, and I, I retore the ligaments in it. And it just kept on tearing back and breaking that wrist and thumb area four other times. And it wasn't, I really struggled with that for the next couple of years until I actually got it fixed again and, and got it, uh, the ligaments uh, put back and like uh, um, reattached, shortened them, reattached. You, so, how did, the, how did you go from a KX250 out of your van to 
Damon Bradshaw's teammate on a CR125. Talk about that. Oh, it, same thing. It was pretty surreal. I just uh, they came up to me in Buds Creek, Maryland, and they said, "Hey, uh, are you interested?" In Robbie Skaggs needs to go in for uh, to get a plate taken out in his, I believe, is his ankle or his, his leg. It's been bothering me, and we're looking for a replacement guy for him for a while. Uh, you're like, you interested? And you're like, are you sure you mean me, or do you think I'm somebody else? <laughs> I was looking behind my shoulder. I was thinking, are they looking at some talking to somebody else? And uh, and I was a bi- not a bigger guy, but you know me, I, yeah. like a, I was probably 180 pounds, 185 pounds, and uh, and uh, I I was reluctant. I thought, you know what? I haven't ridden a, a 125 in two, over two years. I've been on Kawasaki's for over two years. But like most things, you know, when an opportunity is handed to you like that, it's pretty hard not to turn it down. Um, so I said, yeah. They said, can you be up in, uh, in Southwick? Uh, in, you know, on, we start testing on uh, Tuesday before the Southwick National. And so Sunday after the race, we hauled ass all the way up to uh, Connecticut there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Tuesday we went and tested that. Robbie's 125. You had to try to get you know bar set up and was Damon you know. there? No, no. Oh, Damon, okay. I think went back to to, to Idaho. Okay. I only remember riding practicing once with Damon at this uh, kind of the sand quarry, and uh, you know, of course, he was hauling ass. I thought I was riding pretty good myself too, um, but uh, I just wanted to say that uh, I was so nervous and so wanting to impress these Manchester guys yeah. that. I never, uh, I think that was my very first time at Southwick, too. Because, yeah, in 96, I broke my wrist, so I don't think yeah. I was able to ride that round. So I've never ridden that track again before. And I'm on the CR125. I've never ridden before. I haven't even ridden a 125 for a couple of years. And um, <laughs> they're like, yes, here you go. And I'm like, yes, I got to haul some ass, right? Yeah. Like, I got to really try to impress these guys. So I get on this bike. I'm ring, ding, ding. And uh, I, so. First lap, course, typical Fernet style, I just bonsai it, like <laughs> bonsai it. I go into the back section, or maybe it was second lap. I think I did one sighting lap, and then the second lap, I'm like, here we go. Let's fuck, let's get it on, right? Yeah, yeah. And I wadded myself so bad, I, I <laughs> they're probably wondering, what's taking them so long to come back to the <laughs> around? Yeah, yeah. I come back, the bars are bent. Suffering was destroyed. Um, the, the the silencer needed to replace everything. The seat was crinkled up. It looked like a banana seat, right? Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I just I remember coming in and I bogged. I, the thing I landed off one of these fast jumps and hit some deep sand and it bogged, and it just flew me into big swapper. Yeah. And I just not to mention I, that, that bike's not very good back then. Those CR125s, not not that good. I didn't, you know what, that's the thing, eh, is that I was coming from, like, a privateer, privateer Kawasaki, and that bike I rode that year was pretty darn good. I, I liked it. Terry Varner did it for me, and that's another story that's funny. But, uh, um, so, yeah, I thought, when I got on that CR125, I thought, man, this is going to be, like, it's kind of a, that was really the factory support Honda team, was it not? 
Uh, yeah, would have been, would have been. Yeah. yeah, you mean back in the day? Like it wasn't like yeah. you know, it was factory, and then that was like you know they had Bradshaw, of course, and then you know Pro Circuit was doing the bikes, uh, the engines, and of, of course Factory Connection. They were on the team, so they did the suspension. But uh, um, yeah, I was thinking this bike is just going to be a rocket ship. I thought this thing's a pile of shit. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. And, uh, so what was, yeah, you never really, your, your, your thumb was jacked up and you weren't used to the bike. It wasn't that good. And you never did that good on it. Well, how many races did you race? Four? I did four races. The very last race, they switched me. Robbie came back at Troy, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that was 97. And you remember, were you there with Ty that day? Yeah, it was really hot, dude. It was, it, it was hot. hot. People were passing out yeah. each stroke. Brad Hagsaf just rode directly, um, Right off the track into into the snow fence, like people are. <laughs> right. it, it was Damon Huffman. Actually, Damon Huffman won that yeah. in the one point five class. Beat Ricky, yeah, just dominated. Went one one. Yeah, so um, now I remember being there that day and uh, first first moto. I got twenty first and and on that ninety seven CR two fifty. It was first year with the aluminum frame. Oh, you were on a two fifty. They put you on a two fifty for the last race. Yeah, because Robbie came back, so that you know Robbie was good to go. So they said, okay, if you want to, you know, we'll put you one more race, um, and then you know you go back to your, you know, bo- little not my box van at that time, but my little van and and my KX, which I really liked anyway, and I, I did better at. But uh, so they threw me on that '97 CR120 or CR250, and uh, I think I got 21st the first moto, and then the second moto, I just remembered. It being like I was done after the first moto, I should have licked my wounds, said mm-hmm. I'm done, went to the medics and got my uh, intravenous. But uh, I said no, I want to try to get some points, and so I went out there and uh, yeah, three quarters through the race, I think I was running 17th, and uh, I was like right on. I just need, I just need to just keep it an easy pace, and I'll get points this day, and I'll be okay. And I remember going to the tabletop in the infield. And I just blacked out right in the middle of the air, and I la- and I just woke up and I was on the ground, yeah. and uh, and I remember uh, some medics brought me over to the fence, and I put my helmet, and I was sponsored by Axo at the time, so they they were treating me good. Well, they were spelling um, your name wrong on the back of your jersey consistently, which really upset you. Well, just the first year, <laughs> yeah, just the first year. That was and that was the year fifty five. I actually putting an eye in there, and you're like, what is going on? <laughs> no, I told Scott Taylor, this is Scott Taylor, he worked for AXO at the time, and um, so I just said to Taylor, he, he's like, uh, I go, you know how to spell my last name, because people, Americans always call me Fernetti or Fernet, or they couldn't understand that it's 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 a French last name, it's Fernet. Right. And uh, so I said, hey, you, you know how to spell my last name, right? Oh, yeah, 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 don't worry about it, I, I, we know. I said, are you sure? Yeah, yeah, so... At that year, they, they I think they had to do a hundred transfers at a time for for putting your name and number on the back of the jersey. So I remember going to uh, uh, where Valencia down at Axo and picking up my gear that day, uh, a whole bunch of gear that day. And I remember I'm just stoked, brand new gear, yeah. going to have the trick name and number on the back. And back then it was like big thing for guys to have like really you know like a fancy name and number on the back of the jersey and. Uh, uh-huh. Open it up the the box and I look at my name. I'm like, "What in the hell?" And my name spelled wrong. And I remember I walked right back into Axel and I said to uh, Sharon Richards, "I go, hey, I go, you know what? Listen, I talked to Scott uh, Taylor, 
And I asked him about my name, and he said, yeah, I knew. And I go, it's spelled wrong. And she goes, well, sorry about your luck. We had to do 100 transfers, so, uh, you mean, you're only 55. You're not, you're not Bradshaw or anybody, so <laughs> you're going to have to just live with it. So I had to take a felt pen for the rest of the year. And do you remember, every year. Do you remember they, they, they wouldn't take your call at Axel for whatever reason? So one time you said it was Damon Huffman, and they picked right up. And you're like, it's oh, me. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, it – you know, it's so like anything, it's so much politics involved. Eh? Yeah, if you're a guy that's just a lonely privateer or something, and uh, yeah, I just got up, I got fed up, and just said it was yeah, Damon Huffman, and sure enough, people were ready to talk to me. But uh, if you uh, okay, well, so what was it like being teammates with Bradshaw? What was that like, Damon? Damon Bradshaw, um, when he did speak, he he spoke volumes. <laughs> he, he didn't mind. <laughs> He didn't say much, though. He didn't have much to say to you. <laughs> he didn't have much to say. Actually, the one race I had, a friend of mine fly down to watch me race, and he was a, he was a big cattle farmer from Alberta. Uh-huh. And Bradshaw. What was his name again? He, I know. I remember him. Dor- Dory, Dory Gerard. Yes, Dory, yes. I remember him. Yeah, Dory Gerard. And uh, I introduced Damon. I said, hey, this is a friend of mine from Canada, Dory Gerard. I go, yeah, he's a big uh, cattle uh, farmer in, in, up on um, up by where I live, and Damon just been living in Idaho a few years at this point, I think, and so he was all like thinking he was, you know, uh, he was he was more interested in talking to Dory about cattle and horses and whatever else and motocross than anybody, eh? Yeah, yeah. And uh, do you remember? You know, but oh, go ahead. I just I just remember that uh, the one time I walked into the to tar transporter because it wasn't a semi but it was kind of like a fun mover it was a pretty trick looking thing that we were riding in and I remember going in there in between motos because I was riding one twenty fives and I remember he was sleeping in the living area and I woke him up and I remember he's like who in the hell is that so I guess whoever's ass that is better get the hell out of here and I remember just <laughs> hightailing my ass out of there I was like oh shit but I have to get my gear on buddy yeah but, what about uh what about do you remember the advice he gave you when you asked him for advice on you were struggling on the bike or something yeah I just I. I I said, I, I said to him, I go, yeah, Damon, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm just struggling on this 125. You know, is there any, any advice that you, you can give me, you know? I, you know, I've been running 125 for, for a couple yeah. years. And he's like, yeah, just twist the throttle and pin her. <laughs> Thanks. I think that's what he said, didn't he? Uh, something like that, yeah. Or did, it, wasn't, are you, it wasn't very motivational. The, it was just like, yeah, twist the throttle, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. Just twist the throttle, and I was like, Thanks. "Yeah, okay." <laughs> but we, uh, we, I came good friends. Robbie, you know, Robbie came back on the team Skags mm-hmm. and uh, came good friends with Robbie over that thing. So, and the guys, uh, uh, Ziggy from Factory Connection, um, all the guys there, you know, I came good friends with those guys yeah. um, throughout that time when I was racing down there, and uh, it was a good opportunity for me. I didn't. Uh, it was too bad it wasn't with a familiar bike, and maybe I was. 20 pounds lighter, 185 pounds against guys with 145. It was yeah. in a shitty bike. It wasn't the greatest, but you know what? It was, I was uh, teammate. Yeah, it was your shot. It was shot. I was, I was teammates with Badshaw. Right. How many people can say that? Yeah, ex- exactly. And you know what? You know, it, it looked good. I, you know, I, I got pictures, and you know, they, I think they made posters up for my time there for the few races, the handful of races I did. and. Mm-hmm. It was nice seeing you know number fifty five on on the bike, and there was you know Damon's bike number ten, and so we were yeah, always, good. We were good pumped memory. for you as as guys who were in the privateer trenches. We were pumped for you. This was your shot. 
Yeah, I, the first motorbikes and at Southwick there, uh, the first that weekend, and I was thinking, oh, shit, I'm just barely getting used to the bike. I'm thinking, I hope I even qualify. This is going to be a joke if I don't even do this for this team. But uh, I ended up... Uh, not qualifying on the uh, on the qualifier. I had to go last or qualifier. I knocked myself out just for a few seconds. I still <laughs> I was still had my wits, and I came in the last chance and got second. And then I think I went twenty one twenty one for the day at Southwick that day. And so I just missed points. And I didn't think that was too bad mm-hmm. um, for my first you know ride on one twenty five a couple of years. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, you know I wasn't a, I was definitely no Tony Larusa there. Yeah, yeah. Pat Barton. Yeah, no Pat Botten there. <laughs> totally Russo. Those guys were funny, all those guys. Treadwell, Barton. Yeah, you, all those New England guys. You know, they I still so talk funny. to uh, um, Austin Squires in that area. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Squires, he's I mean, he's living in California now. But all those New England guys, they they go down to Florida. And, of course, me and you, we would go down to Florida, and we'd stay down at Reddick at the track there. And, yeah. Uh, well, and, yeah, uh, we'll get to that. So, 98. You're back, Cowie, privateers, again, but you got a box van. You got rid of the van. I think in 98 you had the box. Or was, did you still the van in 98? 98, still the van, yeah. Still the Ford van, okay. And, uh, and again, I'm working for Birdwell, and uh, at some race, Ty compounds, fractures his, his toe next to the big toe. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and they were like, hey, we could cut it off, and you'll be racing in three weeks, or we'll pin it, and you'll be racing in six to eight. And I'm like, cut it off, cut it off. And, I remember uh, that, and I had to stay in the in the uh, Indianapolis uh, ICU or in emergency there until um, three in the morning or four in the morning or whatever. And so I was out. I was still getting paid, but I was out a rider. And it was the Florida. It was the you know Atlanta, Daytona, Gainesville. I think Gainesville was still there, maybe not. Uh, swing of things, and uh, so we went down. and We had nowhere to stay, so we stayed at the Reddick track, which is still there today. And. Uh, um, we stayed in that field every day, and you practiced, and I uh, i don't know what I did. I remember one day I took a, a small screwdriver, and the box fan we had had panels in it, and I was so bored I scraped the wax out of the crease in between the panels on the box fan. Yeah, I, I remember. Uh, I remember we would shower I, at the gym. We joined a gym in, in Ocala. We yeah. would go to the gym, work out. Believe it or not, I would work out, and then we would shower at the gym, and uh, – um, then we'd go back to the field at night and sleep next to each other in this field. Yeah, the field at Reddick. Field, at the field of Dreams. <laughs> yeah, was the, that, that, actually, we nicknamed it the Field of Dreams. And what I remember out of that, we were there at Reddick every day, like you said, for yeah. like, we were Two there weeks, like three six weeks. weeks. Yeah, a long time, a long time. Yeah, and Blackburn's owned the track there, and Mr. Blackburn, even at our very last day <laughs> that we were there for six weeks, he's like guess. We go in to pay for our money to go, or I would to go ride. And he's, I guess, y'all pros. Yeah, because you like, wanted to ride the supercross track that was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah the homemade uh, one millimeter off ER. Yeah. Have to go to ER for six to four weeks if you if you crash. Like it was the peakiest jump there. <laughs> um, but it was good, right? It was it was yeah. a gnarly track. And, and every day he'd ask us if we were if you were a pro, and it's like, yeah, yeah. we were yesterday and the day before and the day before, and we're living yeah. in your field in case you haven't noticed. <laughs> yeah. By the way, we've been living in your field over there. I yeah. maybe you're not that attentive, but we have we're homeless. We have nowhere to go. We're living in your field. Yeah, we'd go and, to. Uh, remember, we'd go to. Um, uh, we'd go to the gym. We'd go to Kenny Rogers Roasters. Mm, Kenny's. Kenny's was good. Um, what else would we do? We for fun. I don't even remember. Um, 
We, we was, went to Gainesville a couple times. We went to... Uh, the theater? I think yeah. we went to the theater there. Um, we, there's a couple other races that went there. and uh, I remember Austin Squires, he went there and he was dancing with some girls, raising the roof with his hands, yeah. and they were dancing away from him. And Yeah, there were some good times um, there for sure. I, you know, I was motoring on Birdwell's bikes a lot. I was riding you know, the local outdoor, the outdoor track or whatever here and there. <laughs> I thought you were going to make a comeback with four, four <laughs> Manitoba titles. There's I was a hope. thinking about there it. Would have been. I, I did at one point driving back to Oregon. You weren't with me, but I stopped at a. I stopped to meet my brother in Brainerd, Minnesota. He was working for a road race team at the time, and I and on the way there there was a fair race, and I raced Birdwell's bike with his gear in the 250 Pro class or whatever, and got like third or fourth, and made like 80 bucks. And people thought I was a hero with a box fan and everything. You, you never told me that. I oh, never yeah. knew that story. Good times. Literally driving down the road, sign said fair race. I pulled in. I entered. I raced some little, you know, 20, 30-second lap time track. Had all of Birdwell's. I had – I couldn't fit into Birdwell's gear, but I think I had the baggy – I had my own extreme stuff, <laughs> my own extreme baggy stuff. And, uh, yeah, and then I sold some of Birdwell's Pirelli tires for money and sold some gear and <laughs> – Hopefully he's, yeah, not, hopefully he's not listening. <laughs> you know, Ty, he, uh, he probably just wouldn't care anyway. He was you know just what was, so whatever, you know? You know, you know? What was so effed was when I was working for, before me was Matt. Remember Matt? Suspension. Mm-hmm. Now, now he has um, independent suspension. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and then before that was Kenny. Those guys lived off of <clears throat> Ray Birdwell's credit card, whole hog. And I remember Ty telling me, hey, you can't use a credit card for anything but hotels on the weekend at the races, and, you know, that's it. That's all you can use a credit card for. And I'm like, okay, like, all right. And Those sitting, other guys are going to strip oh, clubs. And- I mean, Kenny's like, dude, I, use, I put state in hotels every night on that credit card. And I remember thinking, oh, I hope Birdwell doesn't fire me. Oh, God, I just used it, and I just put, like, a bag of chips and a bottle of water on the gas, you know, and I hope he doesn't fire me. And <laughs> Hey, you know what? And uh, that's the thing with, with you, Steve, is that uh, – you know, I know that, you know, sometimes, especially nowadays, people with the Internet and, and everything, it's just, you know, people always want to judge and look at, at, at uh, everybody's got an opinion. I think you told me that the other day. And, uh, you know, if there's somebody that truly knows uh, the struggles of any privateer or struggles of people, you know, it's you because... Not only did you, you know, you've raced, but, uh, and, and did, you know, well in your day, but you, when you were a privateer mechanic, you actually, like, you lived the same lifestyle I lived. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you were not actually, you lived better than me. I did live better than you, and you were racing. <laughs> yeah, I, and I, yeah, and I exploded a few times on that, but. Yeah. The, I was the, jealous. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Um, how did you do in 98? I, I, I don't remember. I mean, a lot of main events, uh, a lot of points. Enough to get national number sixty-five for the yep. ne- next year. Yeah, it 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 was good. Um, and then uh, that next year, when I was sixty-five, uh, I that was a year that I really my I broke my wrist my wrist hand area twice. And I ended up going and getting it repaired, so I, I missed yeah. quite a bit of that uh, that year. Um, hey, do you remember? Uh, do you remember? Uh, I tell people sort of this story all the time. At the end of '97, when Fro won his title, and there's that ad with all those chicks in the hot tub and him, him with the cigar, we were standing right there. You remember that? Yeah, 
Oh, I, like how, how could I? That was we... New York, New York at the penthouse. Suite. No, it wasn't. It was uh, MGM. Was it MGM? It was MGM. It was on the balcony at the MGM. Um, how did we ever... And we were right, we were right there <laughs> when everybody was in the hot tub. Do you remember that? I know. And all these chicks had wigs on and we're like, what are we doing here? We went there with Swink and Phil Lawrence. And how did we end, even end up with those two guys? It was just hilarious. I, I remember that... Swink dared us if we could eat that jalapeno pepper in his hotel room, and we yes. did do that. We did that, and, it, and it, it affected me for months. My stomach felt I had to take Tums so much for, like, months and months, that thing. Um, yeah, that was pretty funny that we were standing right there because uh, that's an infamous ad now. You know, it's pretty famous. And I'm just like, yeah, we were right there. And it was all these cool people and us two idiots. <laughs> it, it was. I don't know how we ended up there, but I remember it was quite the ordeal to get into that party. I think obviously if we weren't with Swink and uh, and uh, Lawrence, yeah. uh, we wouldn't have got in. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, we somehow we we finagled our way in. I think everybody was probably wondering who we were at the time. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, we had the the ears pierced and the blonde hair and the LBZ stuff on, so we probably looked <laughs> we probably looked pretty good. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I was sponsored by LBZ. Oh, at, were you ever? At, were you ever sponsored by LBZ? You know what? I uh, I remember, uh, not for riding gear. I just want to clarify that for any listeners. Not that anything that was wrong with people who rode LBZ, but I was still with AXO. Or maybe I was with Moose back then. I was. Uh, me and uh, Rich Taylor were the original, original Moose. Original Moose guys, yes. Yeah, for motocross. But, yeah, um, uh, LBZ, they contacted me, and they just gave me a shitload of Oh, my God. You ran leopard print, shiny stuff every day. Oh, it was kind of straight out of Fresno Smooth, eh? Yeah, yeah. And and I remember going to LBZ and meeting. Oh shoot, Mike who Russell. Did I? Mike Russell. That's right. Yep. And I remember we went up into his office, and he had his own area. There was a strip pole in there, and everything. He didn't have a stripper up there at the time, but uh, it uh, yeah, it was quite the ordeal. But he just gave me he gave me whatever I wanted. Like there was this unlimited clothes coming for casual <laughs> for club pimping wear. It was crazy, man. <laughs> Good times. Uh, yeah, um, we did look the part. Maybe that was it. Hey, how was your relationship over the years with like? McGrath and Emig and those guys, and I mean, they they kind of knew who you were, huh? Like, you'd... yeah, they gave me the they gave me the what's up. Um, I for a while, I uh, I I came fairly good friends with Tracy McGrath, Jeremy's sister. One time, she actually invited me to come down there, stay at her parents' house, but something happened that I wasn't able to go down there. I, you know, mm-hmm. I, Jeremy had a, at that time a track at his parents' house. I don't know if I would have been allowed to ride there or not. But yeah, we, were, uh, we were always buggy. Like, why don't you ask Tracy? Ooh, Fournette's got a friend with J- Jeremy's sister. Oh, he's so much better than us. It was like... Tracy was cool. I liked Tracy. She was very... I think that... I, I mean, I don't know Jeremy. You know, I, it was always kind of like... you. They knew kind of who I was. Right. And... You know, they always gave me the what up. Emig was always at the after part. You know, just whatever. When you're hanging out, it would be really cool. And uh, no, he was I, at I the after I, parties. You could say it. He was at the after parties. <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah, you know, at the after parties. And uh, you know, I know that. Uh, you know, pretty much. I think most of the top racers knew who I was anyway. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was guy. I was a guy making some of the main events there, especially Supercross and. They're probably like, "Where's his mechanic?" And I'd just be pushing, <laughs> pushing my bike on the line by myself. You know, yeah. I I remember at New Orleans, I made the, the main event, and uh, I remember uh, McGrath was lapping me, and I think I, it was so 
this is before they started getting the tracks down where they had the lime, like mm-hmm. spreading the lime down and, and getting it where the ruts weren't so bad. I remember at Crossroad, I almost made Jeremy eat shit real bad. I remember he, him, it was got back to me, he called me out of control or something. I was so mad at him, right? Like, I just hated those guys when those guys lapped me, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I just hated it, you know? And, you know, it's just, uh, you know, and... Uh, yeah, it was just, I remember after that main event there, I remember Rory, he was the truck driver for, uh, for, uh, Bridgestone Tires. You know, I, I made the main event, and of course, you know, every city, every time, especially the Supercrosses, the after parties hit, and, uh, yeah. I just never knew if next year I'd be back at the same city. So, you know, I, I did everything myself during the week, and, uh, yeah. I thought, you know what, I'm going to go out and have some fun on, on uh, Saturday night, and, uh, well, do you remember? At one point, you and I and Hart ended up together somewhere. Carrie Hart, when he was doing the supercrosses. Yeah, um, me and Carrie. Yeah, I remember. I I I, I kind of hung out. Yeah, me and Hart were hanging out. Were we in like? Were we in Illinois or something? I don't even know where we were. Or what track we were at? Or I don't remember. But he was with us for uh, a week, and we were like, "All right, see you later, bud." And like, privateers would just inter coming cross. You know, like their lives would intersect. Yeah, you know, Carrie there, uh, we traveled a couple weeks together. We did the, the Dallas Supercross, and then that that year he was kind of hanging out with uh, Jeff Tilton and Eric Anderson. We called them Team Punk, remember? Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Because Hart had baggy gear. Anderson was wearing JT baggy stuff. Um, and Tilton had some kind of baggy gear on, yeah, too. Yeah, Team Punk, yeah. <laughs> they were always together. Yeah, Tilton, too, yeah. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. They were um, <laughs> and... Uh, and you know, and of course, what? Brian the, Mason was Team Donkey Kong because he was sponsored by a Nintendo. He was Donkey Kong. The Edge Race and Donkey Kong. They <laughs> they do uh, uh, signings at uh, Walmart's for Nintendo sixty four. And I remember you'd be like, "Oh, Donkey Kong beat me! I hate when Donkey Kong beats me." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Brian. You know what? Brian was a good racer, and yeah. I, I, I mean, I. I you know, he, he, he did good for a privateer, but yeah, it pissed me off when certain guys, you know, competitiveness. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, for sure. But, um, but anyways, uh, yeah, back to 98. So I got a job with FMF Honda at some point, and I was mm-hmm. bye-bye Birdwell, and you were got your hand fixed. So um, I don't think we re- reconnected again until maybe 99 when I came back from Germany. I was in Germany, and uh, um, you were hanging out with my future wife. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, that's uh, right. That's right. Uh, I was right for now. Yeah, I've been trying to bust uh, you two for Ange, years. Actually, uh, I stayed at Angie's house at Phoenix for the Supercross. Yeah, and uh, her and a friend from I think it was Heather from Australia was staying with her at the time. But yeah, I got him pit, uh, pit passes and it came down to the race. And yeah, me and Angie became. Uh, obviously friends at that point too and uh and i've been trying to bust you, know, you two for years on that neither one of you will admit that anything happened <laughs> <laughs> the lips are sealed nothing's being said nothing's going on uh but anyways uh i was in germany and dave die recommended me dave die quit working for tim ferry and recommended me for the job uh at nolene and i went from germany to anaheim too and we were back together for now you were uh, 99 were you on hondas then Ninety-nine, I was on Yamaha's. Oh, you went to Yamaha 99. Okay, yeah. Um, uh, and you got help from, uh, who was the dealership that helped you out? Mountain, uh, Mountain West out of Golden, B.C. Yeah, that's right. You had some cool, Throttle Jockey guys had your nice set of graphics that year with like, didn't have a sunset in it and some mountains or something? It did. had sunsets, <laughs> mountains. Had my, I always had Canadian flag on home. I, yeah. I usually had, I remember um, Mike Jones 
I remember one of the things he, he told me goes, self-promotion is always the best promotion. And, and either if it's and then positive he, or and, negative, and, it's and, still and, promotion. And then he put a Crown Royal bag over his head and jumped, jumped over a ramp. <laughs> <laughs> jumped over an elephant or something. <laughs> I'm crazy. I'm crazy. <laughs> yeah. No, i seen Jonesy. Yeah, i seen Jonesy get hauled out of a bar in Germany before. And just, <laughs> you know, I remember Rich Taylor looking at me and going, you can't leave me, you can't leave me. And it was just things were going crazy. And it was... Uh, so 99, yeah, it, 99, you're on Yamahas, and now you got a box fan. You stepped it up. Yeah, I stepped up. I got uh, a little bit... Um, uh, basically... Uh, yeah, I, you know, I got my my inheritance from my my dad when he passed away. I got it when I was twenty five, and so I used that inheritance. I sold oh, I the, the you, boogie. I, I thought you were using that the whole time. No, 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 oh, no, okay. no, 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 no. That's uh, it, I bought my box with my uh, when I got uh, some inheritance money, and uh, yeah, got, I stepped up first class to uh, <laughs> to box on, set bunk, it all up, bunk uh, beds, cr- bunk beds in it. Yeah, <laughs> had bunk beds in it. It uh, it, was, it was quite quite the shack. It uh, it's uh, had a lot of stories throughout the years in it. And uh, um, I, I just say I just wanted to say real quick because I, I and I don't think you knew that in '97 after that season after I did the Manchester uh, thing and whatever I actually got a call from Honda of Australia to go over there for '98 to to. Oh. I do remember something about that, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't too sure to remember that. And one of the guys called me over there, the manager team uh, for uh, Honda uh, Australia, and it looked like it was going to be a deal. And I was thinking, man, 98, I'm going over Australia, and, mm-hmm. and I was going to check that out. And for some reason, uh, I think I'm, it, the budget fell through for getting a foreign rider. But, yeah, it was... Uh, it looked like I was going to go over to Australia for 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 that year, but yeah. I just wanted to throw that in because I wasn't too sure if you knew that or not. I remember something about it. I do, yeah, because we kept in contact with our pagers and stuff back then. So. Yeah, paid. That's right, the pager days. <laughs> the pager days. Um, <laughs> but uh, so ninety nine comes and you're on Yamahas, and uh, again, yeah, you got your box fans, sweet setup, um, mm-hmm. golden mountain cycle or whatever. Uh, this is when you had the uh, I'd club a seal for a better deal. And then what was the other one? Uh, doing it for the kids. Doing it for the kids. Those are the stickers I think that were up yeah. by then. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then what do you remember from 99? I remember uh, that was when we hang, hang out with uh, Andy Hendrickson in Illinois. That's where we first met him. Yeah, I uh, I remember doing most of the Supercross series. I made a couple of the main events. Um, my, You know, my hand just. Like it was better, but it wasn't yeah. that good. I think my confidence. I just it was you know, a, my, my it was a constant Jason Fernet with a bag of ice on his hand, like all the time. Yeah, <laughs> that was the thing, eh? And uh, I, uh, I think that year I separated my. I think that was a, maybe the first year I separated the one shoulder too, uh, just prior to outdoors. So I think I ended up staying in Illinois, but I made. Uh, uh, maybe two or three main events that in the 250 class that mm-hmm. year, and uh, for Supercross, and then uh, yeah, I separated my shoulder and I had to get surgery on it, and I missed. I think I came back and uh, I basically just did. I think I did a couple nationals, but I was really um, doing some fair races in Illinois. I started hanging out in Southern Illinois and kind of um, 
just doing fair races, you know, guys like Josh Demuth would come up and mm-hmm. all like the arena uh, arena cross guys would be the main guys there and yeah. I could get top 5 in those things and uh you know, they're just run what you brung. Sometimes they're a flag, <laughs> start by a flagger, or, right, uh, right. you know, there's telephone poles covered in dirt in some of the vans. It was, you know, and then some were really, uh, ran really good. But, uh, yeah, I, there wasn't, um, uh, 99, it was just kind of like I said, like, uh, yeah, it was just my, my hand just, I just, I screwed, I broke it four times in the same area. It just didn't, it just needed a good, you know, nowadays it seems like the racers, when they hurt themselves, They'll they'll take the amount of time off to right. to, to get it healed. Yeah, and uh, I don't think back then, regardless if you were just some privateer like me trying to make ends meet to Larocco, uh, you know I I think those guys just they broke a bone and or they got surgery and they came back right. and riding uh, not at a hundred percent. I I think times have changed now. They they realize hey let's take care of our body and Was, you know it. Was this no. the year that you took out Bashan at Melville? What year did you do that? Ninety-eight. <laughs> I was about, sixty-five. I was sixty-five. Talk about that. Oh shoot! That actually, at that time, it was a pretty blown-out thing. There, some they said some uh, Pashawn, I think, said on the podium or the next race on ESPN, some uh, privateer ran him right off the track and almost killed him, but. Uh, it was the second moto in uh, in Millville. I was running seventeenth, and it was it was like second to last lap. And I see the blue flags coming out, and I'm thinking, okay, somebody's lapping me. I've already been lapped twice. I think Pichon was running third, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, because I think I wrecked the day of a podium, which isn't <laughs> funny. I'm not laughing, but it was just how it happened. And I remember looking back. I'm like, and I waved my hands. I'm like, go ahead, like pass me, man. I'm uh, nobody is around me. Like 18th was nobody, right. no one around me. I was running lonely in 17th. I'm like, dude, just pass me, bro. Just get yeah. away, do your own right. thing, leave me alone. I'm happy with my three points or whatever, right? Um, and he followed me around for a lap and a half until we've got. You know where the, the what do they call it now? The catapult. Uh, no, that where, was it. Was the downhill double. It's yeah, great. it was. No, that's not what Chad remember. They don't have the section Chad anymore. Reed's jump that he crashed on. No, then you go no, up no. the hill. No, they don't. They don't have that jump anymore, the downhill where you crash with Pashan. They don't have it. I know, but oh. they, okay. Is this where you, you, hit, is this where you hit me on the, the Is this where you hit me on the top of the head with a coffee cup? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be quiet. No. <laughs> um, you do the Chad Reed jump, and then you went up top of the hill, and then you went Instead of left, they do now, you went right and did a little double, and then you did a hairpin corner, and then there was this massive downhill double, and they carved it out of the side of the hill. So the, the edges of the hill, mm-hmm. like there was no barrier. They didn't yeah. try to mellow them out, kind of whatever. So you didn't want to go off the track because there was just a, a wall, a cut-in wall where the, the, the cut in the side of the hill. And I remember, like, this is a lap and a half into it, and we get – He's right on my ass, and so I go do the little double just before the, just before the uh, um, the hairpin to go down to that big double, and he's right there. I'm like waving at him. I've been waving at him for like a lap and a half. I'm like, buddy, what are you waiting for? And then next thing you know, he must decide to go try to pass me right at that moment. So we go to the hairpin, and at the same time, we hit the double, and we 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 hit. Well, we actually hit bars, and. I shut off, so I don't do the double, and I just remember this French guy just going completely sideways, 
right going directly into that like cutout wall on the side of the track and just imploding and exploding. <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. This isn't going to look good for, 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 for me. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. But people don't know is that for a lap and a half, I, I was like waving my hand, go ahead, dude. You right, know? Right. And, uh, Actually, he came up to me the, the next race there in Binghamton. He actually, him and his father, before practice, walked and specifically found me in the pits and the back. <laughs> picked, a, picked a fight with me, right? And his father was notorious for being lippy. And I had, um, I brought a buddy of mine that played hockey with me from Canada, and my buddy was going to tune him up, but uh, it didn't go that far. I, I think my buddy said, you know what, <laughs> if, if, you, if you want to to leave things right now, then you leave. If not, we're going to have some problems. And uh, yeah. there's no doubt in my mind, uh, I mean, I had brought people before in the past that you didn't have to worry about that. They would have just took care of yeah, them, right? Yeah. They would have <laughs> beat the shit out of them. But um, it didn't end up to that point. Uh, so 99, yeah, you just your hand. Do you, you, you get it fixed in 2000, or is that still is it still bugging you in 2000? I got it. I got it fixed, but then it was, of course. Now I, I started. I did my shoulder in, so okay. um, you know, it was just. It just seemed like for the next few years, it was one injury after another. Yeah, it was just. It, it was something just nagging. Um, Plus, two, you're riding a Honda CR250. They were terrible. They were. I started my my my. It just seemed like I was sore. My my wrist was always sore. I couldn't push it hard. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I tweaked my back, um, my sci- sciatic nerve the one time, and it just seemed like it was just snowball day, eh? like, uh, that one thing after another, one weekend I'd have a decent result, and then I'd be riding good for about three weeks where I thought, okay, I'm building momentum up, and it's going to look good, and, um, and then it, and then I would tweak something else, but, uh, you know, uh, I think people, like, the people I was racing with, you know, at that time, Jason Thomas was, you know, by that time, I was hanging a lot, uh, yeah. a lot with JT, too, and Frank. And, yes. and, they, and, and, they, uh, and they were such conversationalists, both of them. Yeah, they were. <laughs> Jason, I think I br- Jason probably thought I was a little nutty there, probably a lot of the time. Oh, yeah, he did. Was, yeah, no, he did, for sure. I was pretty vibrant and pretty pretty vocal and, and liked to have fun with life, and Jason was pretty reserved and... Uh, and very serious guy, but it seemed. I think he's loosened up a lot more since he's we, older. Eh? We lost you one time in Daytona due to your your, your nuttiness. <laughs> we, you, you were you were in the gutter with mustard all over your shirt, passed out. Well, and we were looking for you, and you were like two blocks down in the gutter by yourself. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. Eh? Near the near the end of my career, there I was uh, didn't have a lot of confidence, and uh, just because I was always getting injured, I was a little bit getting down on things. And yeah, I knew tough. I yeah. knew, yeah, it was tough, and I was getting. Hey, I wasn't getting young, you know. Like uh, I, I started racing, like doing the pro pro thing at eighty nine, mm-hmm. eh? and yeah. at this point, it's two thousand, and so I was. Um, yeah, it was getting in my late 20s, like 28, 29, 30, and, uh, you know, I was, uh, yeah, I just, I started, uh, you know, I started, uh, you know, of course, a lot of people, I was famous, well, not famous, but a lot of people knew, you know, I'd go to the after parties and have fun, and I was chasing women, and uh, uh-huh. I, I guess, uh, you know, unfortunately, the you know, you lose focus, lose, I lost a little bit of the focus on, on the race end of things. You know, I can look back on it now, but right. hey, you, you know, I don't re- regret anything. I, I do regret doing uh, 
um, the Laracos Lar- leap that day. I think if I wouldn't have <laughs> injured my wrist, things could have uh, well, been, well, been a little different. You got married at some point. That was not good. <laughs> yeah, um, 2000 and, uh, 2000, I believe. No, 2001. I end up going to Vegas, and uh, uh, nobody knew the girl barely. No, and my mom. My mom didn't even know her. And I remember going to Vegas. I had a separated shoulder at the time, and uh, the guys from uh, uh, Pirelli were hauling my bike around. So I went to the race to pick it up, and uh, we're driving to the race, and uh, we're dating for about four months. I was living in California. I just looked at her and. I said, what do you think? Should we get married tomorrow? And she's like, yeah, sure. And then uh, turned the, the, the music back up and and uh, <laughs> went down to Vegas. I didn't tell you. I didn't tell anybody. No. I went down no. down to the strip to 2 o'clock in the morning, sober, you know, no alcohol involved, and uh, and we tied the, tied the knot. I even lied, uh, get my marriage certificate. I lied about my age and got busted on that, but that was another thing, you know. <laughs> And because uh, I've been telling this girl I was a different age, I didn't want to look as old as I was. Eh? She was yeah. younger than me, and and uh, so yeah, we got married in Vegas, and that lasted six months. And I don't think my mom or anybody was that was happy not good for you. No, that was not good for you. No, for sure. You know, <clears throat> and then that. Uh, and I was gi- I was giving you rooms. I remember here and there because I was working for KTM, and so I got my own room, and I was like giving you rooms, and I and I knew. I was like, this, he's losing it. He's losing it. Like, there was too much, too much partying going on. Like, I'm like, this is not the Fernet I know. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, yeah. you were a guy, no joke, that would go do motos, um, do all the bike work, go to the gym. You'd run on the side of the road. If you had to, you'd park your van. I mean, mm-hmm. talk about a singular focus on motocross and, and doing well. I mean, you were ripped. You know, you were in great shape. And, uh, um, and this was not a guy I knew anymore, you know? Yeah. You know, you lose focus. Yeah. And I, I totally agree with you there. You know, there, I, I ate, drank, slept, lived moto, moto yeah. for forever. I think, um, I just started getting really depressed on the, uh, on the injuries. And I just felt like, man, I could do a lot more. And these injuries are holding me back. And probably so many guys are in the same, same situations. And then I, you start hanging out with the wrong crowd and yeah. you start drinking you know, partying more and, uh, things kind of spiral, uh, you know, where you're yeah. racing, but you're just not there. You know, you're not, like you say, you, you yeah. don't see, you're not who you used to be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, you were, you were gnarly, you know, the guys wouldn't today wouldn't do what, what you, what you did. I don't think it's, yeah. you know, it's pretty, pretty crazy to drive yourself around the country, find stuff to practice, work on your bike, find somewhere to practice, work on your bike, uh, go running, go find a gym. You know what I mean? It's just insane. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't matter where I train, you know, and uh, and uh, exactly. And sometimes I think I overtrained at that time, but because mm-hmm. doing everything, yeah, you know, doing everything at once, you know, driving everything, and I just and I always like to have my bike, you know, I always like to have my bike looking as good as it could, and the van washed, yeah. you know, just everything yeah, looking yeah. pristine. Yeah, I mean, you were doing everything that I was doing as a as a top mechanic or you know was one of the one of the one of the guys that does everything on the bike and then then you were riding and training on top of that yeah and it, it was good like i like i said i you know there for a handful of years i had i i i had good results and you know and then i at the end there i kind of uh you know went down the wrong path a little bit and then uh you know at 2001 i got 
invited to the Moral Like, I still showed speed, but, yeah. uh, you know, I got invited to the Moral Cross oh, the Nations I forgot, for CMA. I, I forgot about that. The the super team, Jason Fournette, Jason Thorne, and Doug DeHaan, right? No, oh. Julian, uh, no, that was another. CMA's made some dream teams before, <laughs> but, no, it was it was me. It was, uh, oh, uh, shoot, uh, that French guy, uh, he rode Yamaha's for a while. Oh, Simon Homans? Simon Homans. Yeah. Sorry, I sorry I forgot his name. But Simon Homans and Julian Cerny. I thought you went with Thorne. When Thorne no, no, no. That would have been really bad because Thorne probably partied at that time probably as hard as I did. Uh, and you went to the Namur, Namur, which is a legendary track. Yeah, it, it was. And, you know, we went there and uh, uh, sleep, I crashed out. Didn't you sleep in a gear bag on the ground? I did, and I had a uh, thing. It was, it was a two two. They set me up with a two year old uh, CR two fifty. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, um, the Canadian Motocross Nations team. Yeah, and uh, the one night we we stayed in this hostel area, and everybody had to share, the, you know, the the the, the, the wash and twenty people, and yeah. I was just thinking, what's this gong show? And then I slept in the, like in the back of a van, and I had a two year old bike, and it was just junk and. Uh, and it was an honor, an awesome race in the Mur. Like right. that's a lynch. That's yeah, probably going to be one of the most legendary motocross tracks in history. I, I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I wish I would have gone to some GP or some nation, nations at some point because that's that's awesome. Yeah, it, it, it was awesome. Eh? It was awesome. Eh? And uh, so, you know, it's uh, yeah. We we didn't do the greatest, but uh, I was I was proud to represent Canada and. Uh, you know, throughout my career, like I met, you know, we became really good friends, and uh, you know, we did. I did two winners in Germany in two thousand and ninety nine or two thousand two thousand one. I think I did Germany, mm-hmm. uh, the Supercross, and then uh, uh, raced uh, Australia there for the Supercross in Sydney in in, uh, in two thousand, and, and did some races in France before and stuff like that. It was Jean Guy and Sebastian Law, and uh, overall, the career was it was good for. Um, a guy on bare bones budget and doing it all by himself, and uh, to, to some people it doesn't sound uh, that great, but to me, I you know I was proud of a lot of the accomplish accomplishments I did, eh? Yeah, absolutely. No, that's the thing. I mean, at the end of the deal, you know, you're you're going down the wrong path. Your body's a mess. You're you're hugely in debt. Uh, uh, yeah. And you know, and you got nothing tangible to show for these. 10 years or seven years of racing, but you have these memories and these experiences that are unbelievable, you know? Uh, and there's some things that we can't even talk about as far as experiences, oh, yeah. but do you know what I'm saying? Like it's, yep. uh, you, you can't put a price on that. Well, and you know what? And like, like, in a, and I honest, honestly believe to that, you know, and, and when I was riding really good in, in, in my day that I was a top three Canadian guy right. and, uh, and I, you know, and I, I put some decent finishes in the states, and uh, you know, and with uh, relationships and and uh, and uh, worldly experience, I got up off it. Uh, you know, I, I'd never uh, never take it back. But uh, yeah. <clears throat> you know, like motocross isn't—it's not a sport that's going to treat you well financially unless you're a top guy. And if you're a privateer, yeah, it's. Uh, when I went to got done racing, it was pretty much like you said. You know, like uh, you know, you had a lot of 
bills to pay off, a lot of debt, and uh, there was a lifestyle where I was just so used to doing something I loved to do and so many great people around me that mm-hmm. it was hard just to kind of give that and come come up here. I was pretty heartbroken, but, uh, um, you know, that's just how it goes and that's how life is. And I was it was just funny, the lot, one of the last podcasts that you did with uh, Steve Lampson, actually, I was surprised that he was saying that, you know, all the success that he did, you know, he was, uh, yeah. man, he's... He, national champion and factory haunted and everything and it was surprised that you know through the things that he went through in his life that he said he's living paycheck by paycheck you know yeah, it's just yeah. it's it's crazy how things can work out but uh you know it uh yeah it was it's good memories you know and i just i started riding again this year yeah I took that's a couple cool. of years off that's awesome yeah how's so, the is the magic still there Pretty rusty, but uh, <laughs> you know what? I, I, you know, I had to fight a lot of demons here in the last few years there, and uh, you know, uh, I went through some dark times and uh, got kind of got my uh, not kind of, but I do have my life straight again, and uh, you know, uh, it feels good. You know, I, I'm back on the bike. I'm, you know, I, you know, I'm getting in, in decent shape for for my age. I mean. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, uh, yeah, I mean, just enjoying life. I'm trying to get back in that space where, you know, I'm just in, trying to enjoy life again because there's a lot of years that, uh, you know, you get, you get, you know, you're trying to accomplish a dream. And, you know, of course, I never, I did make, a, a, you know, uh, some accomplishment. But every guy wants, every guy that races wants to have a factory ride. You know, I don't care yeah. if you're a mechanic, uh, a rep, or whatever. You know, somewhere you usually have, have ridden, raced, or, you know, if you're a privateer, you always want to have that elusive uh, factory ride. And obviously that never happened for me. I was off it. But I, I did, you know, make uh, 250 main events and, you know, I, yeah. you know, I didn't have some national numbers, and and it, it was good. And like I said, uh, the stories between me and your wife will never come out. So <laughs> you, you know, you motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's uh, good times, no doubt. And uh, yeah, we we had a good, good some good times and some good traveling and a lot of driving <laughs> and you know a lot of you know a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of stories. I remember you sitting in your van. With just your underwear on because your AC broke and you had your head out the window for for hundreds of miles. <laughs> yeah, I think I was driving from California to Vegas, and that old van of mine it didn't it just didn't have AC. And oh, it didn't it have was, AC at all. Okay, I thought no, it was broken. Okay, yeah. That was the same weekend. I think I lost in the parking lot with you working yeah. on Bird Ball's bike. But yeah, I was driving all the way there. I was just sweating. I was thinking, oh my god, I can't. You know, I don't know how this is gonna. I'm going to be able to race this weekend, and uh, then we get to uh, Vegas. We hook up, and uh, and then I have a mental breakdown in the parking lot because it's 107 degrees, and I'm <laughs> working on my bike on the blacktop there. And yeah, good times. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was um, good. You know. Well, hey, uh, thanks for doing the uh, the BTOSports.com podcast. I've been, like I said, we've been missing each other, and we I've wanted to do it. It's been on my list of things to do, and uh, I think it's uh, it's an incredible. Uh, I wish – I don't think we can accurately depict enough, like, how rough you had it as a privateer for those years, um, but uh, give people an idea, of, uh, you know, somebody who didn't get any 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 of the limelight shown on them, what, what you did to uh, try to succeed in the sport. It's pretty 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 incredible. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, it's uh, – like I said, uh, you know, thanks for doing this with me. I, uh, like I said, uh, I, I hope to come see you and Ange here in the near yeah. future, say hi to – 
hi to her for me. And, uh, yeah, thanks for doing it. I appreciate it. Yeah, man, thanks a lot, Fernet. All right, and keep in touch and uh, let me know what's going on. And, yeah, I'd be love to, uh, to have you in Vegas. And uh, although last time you were here, it didn't go so well. You got, rob- no, you got robbed. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'll be better the next time I come. Yeah, fantastic. All right, buddy, thanks a lot, and uh, talk to you soon. Okay, see you, Steve. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Steve Mathis Show. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to find the more than 200-episode archive or get the Pulp MX app for your iPhone for the complete Pulp MX fix.